Unloose the goose. We'll take no views. Your paradigm's run out of time and we've got no use. Unloose the goose. Hey guys, and welcome to Unloose the Goose. We've got a fun night ahead of us and this may or may not be our last live stream before the Christmas break. There's a rumor that some geese are going to agitate for an episode next week. But I know Jack is out next week, and I'm out next week. And we're going to go take some time off with the Yule Logs between now and the new year. Anyway, <laughs> we're really excited today to have Brian, Brian Alexovich, Alex- right? Alexovich. I, I was like, Brian, no last name. What's your last name? And then he told me, I'm like, oh, great. That's easy to see, say. Anyway, he's from the LOTS project. And I'm pretty excited about this project. I do want to set the foundation today. What we're talking about is is one part happening and one part we're, we're still figuring out how to do it. He's still figuring out to, how to do it. We're going to discuss it within the context of NFTs. And I'm sure we'll get off on NFT things. I mean, Jack had a great show today where where the float NFTs were discussed. And it seems to be the buzzword of the year. What is an NFT, though? Let's start at the very base level. Before I do that, though, we've got Jack Spierko, Brian Alexovich, Nicole Sauce on today. And we are joined by Sal Mayweather. Sally, how you doing? Where'd you go? Good. I'm connected so I can hear you guys. Okay, I got you. You can hear us. We've got Sal, and Neethi's going to join us as well. So welcome to the show. We're talking about NFTs with Brian from the LOTS Project. Before we jump into that, what's everybody drinking and why? Jack, show us yours. I'm drinking this. and If you're on the audio, you don't even get to know what it is. That's just all I'm going to (laughs) say. It's really good rum. And I'm I'm drinking it because it was a long day that was long. Long day was long today. Sal, what do you got? Sally looks like he's got some uh, some red got wine. Got some red wine here, some Pinot Noir. Getting fancy red, today, you red guys. Red wine. All right. <laughs> Nisi, what do you got? I'm boring with water. We're we're in, in major service for the holidays right now. <laughs> I know how that feels. And Brian, what do you got? I got water. I'm on call for my day job, and we're getting some nasty weather tonight, and I could be called out to go fix gas station at any point. Okay, so you've got the nasty weather. I got my weather radio today, so I can keep apprised of it. I've got a beautiful glass that looks like it should have gin and an olive, but I have ritual gin in here, Jack. However, I... I am prepared for later. We'll have Tangeray ah, 10 up. Tangeray, all right. All right. I'm all I, for the synthahol or whatever it is, like from Star Trek, but not today. But, yeah, I, good yeah. plan. Today was our last day of Christmas rush at Hollow Roast. It doesn't mean we don't get more orders, but, like, the constant yeah. is behind us. And, and the so, promise we'll ship by Christmas is gone. Yeah. There may or may not have been a Manhattan at two this afternoon in my life. Just saying. <laughs> and it's messy bun day. That's it. We're over it. Messy buns and hoodies. That's what we're going to do. Anyway, I'm excited about today. My my uncle is a lawyer 
And he used to do intellectual property. I'm sure he still does. But he kind of shifted into cryptocurrency law related things Hmm. in the last, I don't know, eight years or so. And he visited my house this week. And the first thing that happened is I brought up NFTs and we started talking about NFTs. And then other people in the room wanted to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) So first question is, before we jump into the lots project, what is an NFT in very simple terms for those of us who may not have been following the whole advent? Um, who wants to, who wants to give this one a go? Anybody? I can do that unless Sal wants to. Oh, or... Brian's got his hand up. Go for it. No, I was Brian, pointing at you now. I mean, the NFT is just a non-fungible token. So it's like a, a token is a digital representation of ownership that exists in a blockchain ledger. And a non-fungible token is one that's unique from others in its set. Although it's not a very easy definition, but that is a pretty concise one. Yeah, it's very technically accurate. I think like breaking it down to people like, what the fuck did he just say would be more like it is what makes it non-fungible is it's not directly exchangeable for the same amount of money. So if, if both Sal and I have a Bitcoin and we go to two totally different exchanges, we, we lose, oh, Nathie's back. If, if, uh, if we go to two totally different exchanges, we're probably going to get roughly exactly the same amount of money if we execute our trade at exactly the same time. If we both have an NFT and we, we, we have the same amount of ownership in a thing, like let's say somebody fractionalized the Empire State Building, and Sal and I both own one hundredth of a percent of the Empire State Building, we both sell our NFTs on the same day, we're probably going to get totally different prices, even if we sell them at the same second, because it's not directly exchangeable on a fixed amount on a fixed exchange. It, it's a subjective value based on, what I feel it's worth to have one one hundredth of the Empire State Building or, you know, the the title to a Chevy Chevelle made in 1969. And, and to me, NFTs are something that can be horribly overcomplicated when we talk about them because you can build function so much function into it. Right. Yeah. It, there's so it, can, it can be built like a contract that's impossible to change that does different things with payouts and whatnot. Or it can just prove that somehow I own this bottle of Tangeray 10, the specific one that has a number engraved on it, and it's linked to a digital a yeah. digital title. It could be a GIF of a monkey that's bored, right? It's, it's the stupidest use of that technology I've ever seen in my life. Or um, or it can be really complex. They're all contracts, I guess, right, Sal? Like, it's a contract that I own this thing, or it's a contract that I own certain rights to this thing, depending on how you look at it, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I guess that's a, I never really thought about it like that, but yeah, absolutely. Um, there's all different use cases about NFTs. That's what, that's what excites me so much about it is that how many different ways there are that we can actually use it. But to overcoming the hurdle, the hurdle of understanding what it is, is like, um, it's just one of those things. Once you, once you understand what like a Bitcoin or cryptocurrency is, it's not that more, not that much more difficult to grasp the concept of like tokenization. Yeah, I think I think you're dead on with it. Like it's complicated till it's not, right? It right. seems complicated. <laughs> then, then once you accept it, oh, this thing can exist. It's like, oh, it's totally simple. Okay. And then it can be as complex like, as you want it to be, right? And it opens up like a whole like world of possibilities. Once you understand what's going on, it's like it like really hits you. Yeah, and and I think of Neethi's project with the food church. 
and some of what she's launching now and how that could overlap with NFTs and mm. or tokens within yeah. her membership, that could be pretty cool. Well, that's a really good way to understand NFTs, right? So let's say I'm a member in, in Neethi's Food Church right now, and I don't want to be a member anymore. So so what happens right now, Neethi? I stop paying my fee, and then you say, Jack, go away, and that's the end of it, and it's dead. But if if, if my membership was an NFT and Sal's like, I want to be a member in Neethi's Food Church – And I'm, and she's, and she's like, I'm not selling anymore. That we're, we're, we're tapped out for right we're now. Closed. We closed down membership, screw off Sal. And I'm like, Hey Sal, guess what? I'm moving and I'm not going to be close enough to, to use Neethi's food church anymore. Do you want to buy my NFT? And Sal's like, well, yeah, well, what does it cost? And I'm like, well, it comes with an obligation of a monthly fee. And he's like, I'm okay with the monthly fee. And I'm like, okay, well, it's a thousand dollars. And he's like, screw you. Why would I pay a thousand dollars? I'm like, because you can't get in. Right? You yeah. can't get in, right? Like, how bad do you want to get in? And he's like, you know what? I'll give you $500. And I'm like, no. And then we can negotiate from there. Now it becomes a negotiation, right? And that's what I mean. It's just not fungible. It's not like, well, I, let's, let's say Neethi sold her NFTs initially for a thousand bucks and I just want my money back. Well, maybe I can get two thousand now. Maybe I can only get five hundred. It's all about, is there a buyer and what is Sal willing to pay? Yep. That's pretty cool. Okay. So then we have this Brian guy here with the lots project. So Brian came to our attention through the other Brian who has been known to be on our show in a moose costume from time to time. <laughs> Definitely has taken a hit off the bong on the air. That's our friend, Brian Norton. And, and he came across this, this, this guy, Brian and, and Corey, who's not on today. And they have this thing called the Lots Project. Like, so Brian, let's start kind of at the beginning. How did you come up with the idea for the Lots Project, and what is it? Um, well, for about I think the last seven years, we've uh, we've been building a homestead in Minnesota, Central Minnesota. Um, kind of ran the gamut of all different things, but uh, realized that it's too damn cold here. And we wanted to find some place a little easier on the climate to to build a new homestead. Um, we decided we were going to move to Idaho, um, quickly realizing that neither of us had ever been there. Uh, we did the research, but uh, kind of wanted to visit there first. And, you know, we just brainstorming between my wife and I decided that uh, we're going to retrofit a, a travel trailer and, and travel to all our uh, potential destinations, kind of spend some time there in different seasons of the year and, and talk to locals and figure out where we want to settle to, to be permanent for the rest, rest of the time we're here, I guess. Um, so, uh, we bought a trailer. Uh, I think this was started about two years ago, two and a half years ago, um, bought a trailer. We've, uh, kind of totally retrofitted it to be off grid so we could stay on BLM land and, uh, you know, just boondock wherever we wanted to go. And, uh, so in the meantime there, I had met Brian, uh, through, I think Jack's podcast or, uh, somewhere and joined his coffee club and, uh, heard all about this Squatch Fest thing he was doing out there. And it was kind of lining up with, uh, right before winter in Minnesota and put two and two together and decided to travel out there and, and kind of launch traveling around. Um, we we're going to call this lots project uh living outside the systems is is originally what it stood for uh we were gonna you know just kind of 
do our own thing and then set up off grid somewhere and, and build again. Um, unfortunately we didn't get done. We uh, had a bunch to do. We didn't get everything done, but we uh, got the trailer done and, and made that trip out to Seattle. So that was, uh, I think we took a two week trip out there. Uh, went to Squatch Fest, met, met Brian. Uh, it was kind of what we needed. Uh, at the time we got away, we got to meet some, some people in real life. Um, and uh, interact with like-minded people and it was it was really really a, a good experience and and then we ended up coming back and as we were driving back i was i was contemplating what brian was doing with his property out there uh developing it in hip camps and uh and kind of expanding it throwing festivals and events and then uh he had a camp host there and i'm i'm kind of spinning on that trying to figure out what was going on and and how to work that with into my plans, uh, possibly purchase small parcels wherever I, I feel comfortable and, and develop them like Brian. And yeah, that was okay. And then I got back to Minnesota and Jack's conference, uh, or Jack's fall workshop happened. And I was, uh, tuning into all the live streams and thanks for, uh, for live streaming though. That was, that was great. Uh, but, uh, so Chris Prater had a, a presentation, uh, and it felt like he was talking about us, uh, kind of downsizing, selling everything off and, and, uh, going mobile. And then he talked about the festival he attended and how it's exploded. And now there's, I think he said 700,000 people boondocking at the festival, um, up from like 40,000. And, uh, I was, it kind of went in line with all the research we had done that, you know, during, during peak camping season, finding free land is, is getting hard. It's like BLM spots and whatnot. And then Nicole did her presentation on underground network and she started talking about travelers and uh, traders and the whole deal. And it just kind of, I felt like the traveler in, in your presentation. Um, so that started me thinking. I, I text Brian, uh, and he was at at the fall workshop, and he just started spinning. I mean, when when we kind of get going, our our, uh, our brainstorming sessions are pretty good. And then uh, then Jack did his NFT episode, and I it all came together. I was I sat down and and kind of laid it out and. I figured that I want to kind of set up a, a, a hip camp and, and kind of mix it with freedom cells and a little bit of Craigslist and Angie's list and, and let all this community build itself. <coughs> but, uh, then I saw the framework could be run through NFTs and, uh, and verification processes and, you know, to be certified as a, as a zero or low impact camper and give that, uh, give that comfort uh, a landowner being comfortable to be there since you're in the community you've been vouched for you've been verified and that can all be recorded in the blockchain um and then it just kind of spiraled from there yeah it, it seems that one of the things that happens when we talk about communal living or opening up our land to visitors or all of these things the biggest but what if that seems to come up is what if I get a deadbeat on my property and I hear stories about, you know, people showing up on people's properties with all their crap and just making a huge mess. This seems to be a, 
a way to reduce that. Just like Hip Camp has reviews for campers, right? This is seems to be blocking blocking that into the blockchain. What does that look like? And guys, again, this is us. Like, what could this be? So just to hop in with whatever comments you have. That's what I was trying to figure out. Like, is it pre-screened? Is is there a way? Like, do you have a list? Like, or do you have some standard criteria or something of that effect? Is that I'm I'm that's what I was wondering. We're we're gonna focus on uh, low impact, zero impact campers, um, tenters, off grid boondockers, um, and to get that certification, I. You're either going to have to camp at someone that's that's uh, able to vouch for you, know someone that vouches for you, um, somehow prove that you are who you are and you do what you do, that you're not going to you're not going to tear up somebody's land or, or trash it. I mean, especially if somebody's going to let you come on their raw land somewhere that they're not occupying. They want to have a trust that you're, you're just not going to tear it up. Uh, so it's a it's a vouch in type problem type uh, program. So are you thinking of completely writing out the hip camp thing? Because one of the advantages of, so like you could do the NFT and you could still generate your revenue through hip camp because the advantage there is, and, and, and other Brian who's communicating by text as he's doing some deliveries or whatever, uh, is the one I learned this from. Uh, if you're on hip camp or your Airbnb, either one, and you're renting from me or a group of, it doesn't matter who you're renting from. And I say, get out. We're done. And you don't leave. I hate to use the state apparatus, but that was available. And the sheriff will literally come grab the person by the neck and throw them off. So you have like this first level if you're doing some sort of certification to get in in the first place. But then if you're using any kind of service like that, you have this evict at, at will because if you don't use something like that, and I guess there could be other things, but if you don't use something like that, the person can become a tenant and now you're in eviction proceeding. And that can be in Texas, 90 days in some States, it can be six months to a year to get rid of somebody. And can we, I mean, that could be written right into the, the user agreement when, when yeah. you're about in and you sign that, that, that that's just the way it is. <laughs> what is tokenized? The cert, the certification um, well, then we started expanding on it and, um, we, we were thinking, well, you have all these traveling people, they all have skills. Um, and all these people that are, have the land need whatever done. Um, if you could vouch up skills and acquire skills, uh, certifications as you're, you're traveling, as you're doing work with people, as you're attending workshops, I mean, heck, if you're throwing a workshop for someone on their property as a, as an event coordinator, you can, you can verify all those different skill sets and publish them on your profile as a camper. And then also as a landowner, you can ask, you know, put projects out there, but you are going to tokenize the, the certifications that you've acquired as, as you've proved you can do things. Okay, so now the only, here's the only the only thing is what happens if Jack doesn't meet your your standards and he says to me, "Hey Sal, I I really want to go on this trip. Can I can I throw you some some Bitcoin or some Bitcoin Cash and I'm gonna I'll, I'll, you can send me that token." So now he has a certification even though he hasn't actually earned it yet. That's gonna go on the list to figure out. 
Yeah, so like, the, the NFT would transfer. This actually we talked about today with Kingsley, or not Kingsley, with uh, with, with Alex Kingsley. from Flute. Yeah, not Kingsley. Yeah, that was part of why the long day was long. <laughs> um, but so, for instance, this can be all written into the smart contract. So what Float's doing is they're issuing an NFT, uh, and there's different levels depending on how much you pay, and they come with different rewards. And one is like, you know, six months of Float Plus for free. But when you get the NFT, if you want the float plus, you have to activate it, right? And then it starts ticking down. So let's say I had it six months for free and I sold my NFT to Sal. Well, he'd only have three months left in that. If I never activated it, if I left the action figure in the package unopened, right? Then when Sal bought my NFT, whenever he activated, he had the full length. I think that that right there shows you kind of like a binary one and zero on off. And so if I had certain certifications under my NFT as a member and I transferred it to Sal, then the NFT membership would transfer, but the certification is not necessarily right. because Sal hasn't done those things. That would actually be pretty easy to write in the code. It's just good point, Sal, because if you weren't aware of it, you wouldn't write it into the code. Right, for sure. By the way, is, is that an Agora Threads hoodie? Yeah, it is. I love it. Awesome. Awesome. I thought I recognized that. Tonight is the night of the hoodie. I think Nisi's in one too. I'm gonna have to I got go my get Nina one hoodie here. on. I've got a cool one I need to go get in a minute. I got my SOE. That's what I got. That's what I was gonna go get mine. Those were bad ass. Nisi, you want too? Yeah, Good I love on. it. <laughs> yeah, I, the longer I have this hoodie, the more I, it like has the thumb things. Um, yeah, I like. I those. realize that the hood zips off. Like it, it keeps. Yeah. It keeps oh, that's giving. nice. Yeah. I thought the thumb things were stupid till I used them. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, my hands are warm. <laughs> Especially when you're outside. Shoot. We used to cut exactly. them into our shirts when we were kids. Yeah. yeah. I want yeah. you a review of hoodies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, there, and, and suddenly John Willis sells out of hoodies. He probably already uh-huh. has it anyway. But. You know what's funny, guys? I was, I was in um, Miami a couple of weeks ago for the Miami crypto experience. And we were talking about all kinds of stuff, but the main, the main like thing that everyone seems to be discussing right now in the crypto world is um, the metaverse and the rise of the metaverse. And in the metaverse, every single thing is an NFT, right? Everything that you own is an NFT, like the house that you own in the metaverse, the shoes that you wear in the metaverse, your clothes, everything is all non-fungible tokens. So if you think about that, you think about the, the the coming wave of the metaverse, just that in and of itself is a very bullish proposition for NFTs. So a lot of people think that, hey, look, we're a little late on this NFT stuff. And a lot of these like, um, you know, digital artists, people have already gotten rich. So it's too late for me. That's not the case. We're still extremely early. And I think that um, NFTs are about to explode, partly driven by the metaverse, but also so many other utilities. Yeah, the way I described it today is that NFTs have are, are in the process of going from nerd world to early adopter right now, really. Yeah. Even if people have sure. gotten rich on digital monkeys or other other creative works, um, we're we're right at early adopter, and a lot of people still don't get what we're talking about right now on this show, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, and it's and two years from now they're going to be like, of course NFTs, right? But yeah. We're right. not there yet. Yeah, so the real question, yeah. Sal, is when are you going to come up with the Tocambrian Explosion hoodie? <laughs> I know, you're right. That That's a good one. 
I should. <laughs> well, it's like, underway. We are into like property or something, like you know. <laughs> it's it's funny because we are really we are literally in the middle of the Tocambrian explosion. And when everybody was in Miami talking about the metaverse, it's all I could think about is how explosive this. I mean, it's exploding just in the metaverse world. And we're only so, talking about non-fungible tokens today. Hey, so Sal, I have a question for you. Or somebody, so. one, of, one of you guys about this. So in, in my world, you know, everybody's very anti anything so, so technical or techie, um, or intangible. Um, and so how is it like, cause they don't, they don't want anything to be trackable that way because everything should just be, I, the only way that you're not tracking me is I hand it to you or you hand it to me or I own it and I hold it, right? Can you speak towards that a little bit? Well, they're not necessarily wrong. I mean, there's nothing more secure than a, than a peer-to-peer, face-to-face transaction with someone that you trust. I don't know if um, maybe Jack knows better than I do, but I don't know if there's any privacy coins that, that have well-developed tokenization platforms. I think Dash is trying to work on it, but whether or not they're a privacy coin is really questionable yeah. at best. Yeah, I don't know. A lot of the farmers I'm working with, I'm sorry, can I just add this last little bit to you? Yeah, sure. But like a lot of the farmers that I'm working with, like when we talk about crypto or we talk about any of this stuff, then, you know, they're like, you know, this is a trick. This is a trick. They're trying to trick us so that everything can be traced because, you know, who has been taken more advantage of and abused most? And then they go swipe your debit card. Yeah. Well, yes, they I'm don't. See, I'm also saying, a like, lot of the farmers won't even don't don't really do that. I mean, they're literally like cash on the barrel. So, so that's that's them and that's their world and that's their thing. And I don't think we need to worry about whether or not they want to participate in this. And I think that they have a point and they're right, but they're not completely right. It depends. Right. Like my favorite answer to any question is it depends. So if <laughs> I am a farmer and I raise cattle. And Neethi wants to buy 20 ribeyes, 20 strip steaks, and 50 pounds of ground beef. There's no need whatsoever of an NFT. It's a complication. It could be used to track, whatever. Like, there's no point to that. But if if Neethi is a beef farmer and she wants to expand her herd and she wants to bring in 30 new heifers this year to make more cows and she doesn't have enough money to buy them, and she wants Sal and I, as we're, we're big ballers with our Bitcoin and our Bitcoin cash, and she wants us to come in as investors, and she wants us to, to invest in her herd. And Sal and I go, well, 30, no, but we'll, we'll, we'll split the difference and do seven and a half each, and we'll do half that expansion of the herd. And we want to be able to have a legal claim to the offspring and the value of that offspring from those heifers as they mature and as they start producing in the future. We're willing, we're willing to risk share with Nevi. We have to have a, a legal means of proving our fractional ownership in her herd. And we do need to track, well, which, which 15 heifers do we have ownership in? And Sal has seven and I have seven and we split one. Mm-hmm. And whether that's by linking to the brand, linking to an RFID chip, whatever that's in that cow, we need some way to do that, right? And and if you want to play in that world, then you have to do something. And an NFT would be a way to make the life of Neethi in that arrangement much easier because she would simply every time that cow gives birth to a calf and whatever the agreement was, maybe we get two generations of offspring. Maybe we get three. Maybe we get four. Depends how much money 
Sal and I want to put in the till, right? So right. then when that calf is born, that calf is tagged, and that tag, tag goes back to the smart contract. Now, does the government get to track that? I don't think the government can track 10,000 cryptos as it is right now. I think they're tracking like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and a couple other ones, honestly, right? And, But and the other side of is it's not just you and Sal. Yeah, it's, right. And if it's, it's not 150 people and yeah. 15 cows. Yeah, and, and like you, and you can mix your coins up too, by the way. Yeah, like so. And then to Sal's point about like privacy coins, I'm not aware of any yet. But a perfect example of a coin this could be built on that would serve the purpose perfectly would be Pirate Chain, because Pirate Chain has what's called a viewing key. So everything's completely private. But if I want, like, if I say I paid freaking Sal, he's a lying bastard. He says I didn't pay him the hundred R I owed him. And and Nicole is our arbitrator, right? And Sal says Spearco's a lying bastard. He never paid me. Well, I can give like if Nicole looks at the blockchain for R, she's like, I don't know what the hell happened. The two of you are going to have to like have a deathmatch fight in an octagon to figure this out, right? Like, there's no way to really. But if I'm like, no, hold on, hold on. I paid him since I was the sender. I have a viewing key. Here's my viewing key. And Nicole can then go to the blockchain, enter that viewing key, which is like a string of shit that's like 10 feet long to keep it secure, and enters that viewing key, she can see the transaction. So we could build NFTs on that level of privacy if we ever really felt the need to, right? It would depend, right? But I think part of that is, unless you know the NFT exists in the first place, it's not like... Like, you can go to the Block Explorer and get all kinds of information about Bitcoin. NFTs are a, a little little bit different. They're, they're a little mm -hmm. bit different. You'd kind of have to know what you're looking for in the first place. Um, if the farmers are worried, they need to be worried about things like the, uh, whatever that law was passed about seven years ago, the uh, uh, Food, Food Modernization Act and shit like that. Yeah. Not, not NFTs, man. But if they don't want to do it, they don't want to do it. I, I'm not dragging anybody anywhere. I'm just, and, um, I was just going to use it. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I, th I think. Um, I was uh, trying to just, we've had this conversation uh, slightly before um, regarding, regarding some things like that with, with, with uh, crypto. And I thought that it was, Sal, you, I think you were the one actually, I thought you said it beautifully that, You know, yeah, they can track us and trace things and, and whatever, but like you're, you know, we're using these things. Uh, I mean, like we have to use them on both sides for, for the, for the freedom sell people and also for the. Right. The I, I mean, I think like, especially like with NFTs, because this is one of, this is a real utility of NFTs for agorists. Like this is not gray market agorism. This is black market agorism. So like. I don't recommend this to anybody. I would never suggest anybody does anything like this. This is only purely for hypothetical purposes. But in the old days, if you wanted to launder money, you had to do something like you had to buy a business or you had to do something like that. Nowadays with NFTs, it's a whole lot easier where you can just um, take the money and you can go to your, your buddy who happens to – Oh, Jack has a new pixel that I can buy for, you know, a hundred thousand dollars. And then you could take that cash and you could, you could take that cryptocurrency. I'm sorry. And you can convert it into pirate chain, into Monero, into something that's, that is private. And then all of a sudden the transaction vanishes and, and it's secure. Good luck tracing that. If you work at the IRS, it's not going to happen. It's, you're just going to send them out in circles. And just like that, the money's clean. Hmm. 
Okay. And we have somebody in the chat saying there is a uh, crypto called Dinero, which uh, Darrow. 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 Oh, yes. NFTs. I've never heard of that, but that's cool. Hmm. And I guess the other thing to Neethi's point is, like, so unless I'm wrong about the structure, like, if I join your food church and I'm getting a certain amount of beef or whatever every month, I pay you, right? I don't pay the farmer. Okay. You so are paying the farmer. No. Huh? So all the subscriptions go directly to the farmer. Um, okay. I'm not. So what I've done, this is, this is the, I can't wait to teach this counter economic aspect of what it is that I've done. So okay. it's like when you participate, then we're like the, the thing that's, that's so powerful about the food church is I'm not wholesaling. I mean, I am wholesaling some things. I am wholesaling some things and some some portions and some offerings, but I'm not in competition with the farmers who are providing all the fresh cuts. I'll just use this as an example. Maybe this will help clear it up, Jack. Like when you get a beef subscription or a pork subscription or a chicken subscription from me, then it's only the fresh cuts that you get. If we value add any of that stuff into sausage or bacon or hams or, you know, and I know that's just, well, we have beef sticks and we have beef hot dogs and we have like, you know, whatever. If it's value added in some way, shape or form or chicken salad or something else, then those things are sold a la carte, which um, because they were value added because somebody had to put their hands on it and manipulate it and do something to it. So it's never really in competition with the subscriptions. Does that make sense? No, it makes, yeah, sense. makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, what I was going to say is if you were aggregating, then mm -hmm. their side doesn't mean anything anymore. Right. Yeah. And you can have NFTs. Well, for the and things can, that I'm aggregating. Yeah, yeah. You could do it that way. Like if I, I look at it this way, the decision on what form of compensation an individual takes are purely the, 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 the preference of that individual. So right. I have a guy down the road that I buy a, a half beef from every year. He does mm -hmm. not want Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash or Algo or anything like that. He wants Federal Reserve notes. So that's what mm -hmm. he gets, right? That's like, I'm not going to try to – like, I said, hey, do you, do you take crypto? He said, what's crypto? I said, never mind. That was that was the entire conversation. Like, okay, never mind. Like, and if he comes back and he says, no, no, I want to know. Like, see, my thing is the best way to convert people to any ideal is to expose them to it. And then sh if they say anything other than yes – Shut up, because then curiosity gets in, and the cat's like, well, 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 what is that? And then you get permission to present yeah. instead of I mean, shoving. So in, in a world full of farmers, at the Rogue Food Conference, I was selling coffee to Booth, and I had a sign that says, yes, I take crypto. And about 10 people said, what? And then took me down to Joel Salatin's store where the Wi-Fi actually worked and paid me with crypto. So cool. there, there, there are farmers who won't and there are right. farmers who will. Yeah. And over time, it'll all happen. Brian, what do you got? I'm one of those that will. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we got a lot of young farmers who I'm working with who are into it. And then there's like the old timers that are just like, they are going to be tracking you. You know, you don't understand. And you know, this is a Some trick. people are just on the, on the they're going to live their lives on the wrong side of the digital divide. And hey, well, like like Sal said, right? So you, you say, do you take Visa? They're like, sure. You're like, yeah. <laughs> or checks. Yes. Okay. So if you don't want to be tracked, you need to be taking cash or gold and silver or crypto, 
right? If you're taking a check, if you're taking a debit card, if you're taking a, a, a credit card, then that's all tracked already. But, but to that point, and I, I want to get back to what Brian's saying, yeah. you know, about lots, because okay. we kind of went off on a side rail here, but like <laughs> the average farmer, as as you're done. yeah, as soon as the Joel Salatin, I listened to him like five years ago at a presentation, and then he said the average farmer in America today is 66 years old. Yeah. The yeah. 66-year-old that can be convinced to take cryptocurrency that just found out about it is a freaking unicorn. Yes. And and we shouldn't push that string. Like, just... Dude, my mom just learned crypto this week. Cool. She's Good on you. 66 years old. Better She's like, you got to teach me about this. I want to buy some Bitcoin, and we got it done, man. All right. Good time Paper to buy. Paper wallets dude. next. Paper wallets next. So now, so Brian, Brian, what's the difference between what you're doing and what it sounds like what you're doing is what John Bush is doing, but you're doing it in a sort of tokenized ecosystem. Is that is that fair? Well, I think John's setting up where he's got intentional communities where people are purchasing land and going and building. Uh, from what I understand, oh, right? You're just you're Ours you only want to tokenize a certification. No, just uh, the membership. Um, mainly, uh, so you'd have, you'd have, uh, a landowner membership and a, a camper membership. And then right. if you wanted to go and get some, some verified certifications, if you wanted to work on some stuff for landowners or, or you just want to go camp, you don't need to use them, but to, if you acquire those skills, but you kind of want to build that network and have, have, uh, whatever web portal or whatnot that has, all of your certifications, you could build yourself, you know, if you're, you, you, you get certified as an event planner and you can go out and advertise to the landowners in the network and say, Hey, you got 10 acres of raw property. I got a group of people that'll come. We'll clear out some spots and we'll, we'll do a workshop. And then that landowner can take whatever cut of that comes. So the that cut of it, or you mean they get the benefit of the, um, upfitting of the land? All of it. Wait, go back to that part. Please explain, explain that. Part. Rewind. <laughs> Rewind. Oh, I really want to know that. Okay. okay so I ha let's pretend I have 40 acres that, and then you guys want to have an event here. And yep. I'm like, well, I got this land and we'll, we defend and protect it. And ooh, you got skills. Now I what? say, okay, well, I, I have a certification in my program that, that I'm an event planner and I got a bunch of people that are also vouched for that, that have, they're certified in, I mean, how hard is it to clear a campsite, but whatever. And I come to you and say, all right, I want to have an event, uh, workshop, whatever. Uh, I charge a hundred dollars ahead for my workshop and we negotiate between the two of us, what, what your cut is, what my cut is. And then I, you say, well, I could really use four or five campsites cleared out here because I want to rent those out. I said, okay, well, we can come, we'll clear out the campsites and we'll clear out a spot to do our event. And then when we're done, everything's we're clean and we leave. Yeah, yeah. No, but that's good. This yep. is good. Okay, All so right. we add NFT to this. Like, I'm totally interested in people coming to my land on my terms without making my life hell. Yeah. And I'm also a landlord and I have rental properties and I know... A myriad of ways people can make your life hell as a landlord. Just saying. I've made lots of great mistakes. So how does that, you know, like, let's say I, I have a, a couple of cool camping spots. 
and people are interested in checking out Tennessee for maybe moving to Tennessee. We're a pretty good way station. What does that look like through the lots project? Yes. I would say that you, you so you're going to be a, a landowner. You're going to, you're going to have a listing on whether it's a, a web portal or an, an app or whatnot. And you, you're going to document your sites that you have just like a, any hip camp would. You're going to list them out there, but then they're going to be advertised to, to only inside the network. Unless you want to put them, we're not going to make you be exclusive. If you want to use them however you want, I mean, we will want a guarantee of at least a little bit of space. Um, but it's, it's going to be listed. And as people browse that, they, they're going to see your site. They're going to be a, a certified camper that's not going to come and tear your shit up. And they're going to be in network. They're going to contact you and we haven't really decided if it's, if it's going to be a landowner deciding how much it is or if it's going to be just a standard price per spot. But then that interaction is between you. That's, that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's your deal. Um, you can write into the terms, whatever you want. Like Jack was saying, as far as, as, as getting people off the land, that would probably be written right into when you sign up. When the, if the landowner says, you're getting off the land, you're getting off the land. And, and, you know, that landowner has that. Yeah. With some, you know, like, like generally with hip camp, if I throw you off and you were there for three days and I said it was six, I owe you the three days you didn't stay back. Right. And then you lose the deposit based on the damage you did or whatever. The key is like shit, like shit happens. The key is being able to instantly get rid of somebody. And as long as you're basically in the same model as hip camp, even though you're tokenizing it, you should be in the same position. Like, is this person a tenant or are they, they equivalent to a hotel guest? Hotel guest. If they're a tenant, we're going the local laws and we're dealing with whatever, like California is much harder to evict somebody than Texas. Texas, if it takes you 91 days to evict somebody in Texas, your lawyer sucks. It should be 90 days maximum. Uh, California, I think it'd be something like nine months to, and if there's Nine not a years. federal, like yeah, the federal minimum. shit they did during COVID, I'm, I'm leaving that out. Um, and then other states, it might be six months. It might be four <laughs> weeks. It, it's very, but my understanding is pretty much everywhere in the country. If you're through an Airbnb, a hip camp, something like that, I want this guy out and he won't leave neck off the property into the street gone. This is a little different than the model I had in my head. And it might be interesting to see how the two kind of juxtapose. My idea with an NFT would be like if Nicole said, I want to like rent some of my property, Brian is replacing hip camp with a tokenized ecosystem. I was thinking more about using hip camp and tokenizing the land itself so that I could say to Sal and Nicole, Hey, look, I want to develop a property. I found 20 raw acres. Uh, I want to put in a pond. Uh, I want to put in a dock. I want to buy the land. Um, in fact, maybe I have to buy the land already to stay out of trouble with the FTP. So I got the land, but these are the improvements I want to make. I want to push in five RV sites and I want to put in like 10 glamping sites. And then I want to list the property availability and I want you to invest. And what the NFT does is Sal and Nicole buy in and let's say I go, I want to sell half the value of the rental income, less expenses. And then Sal and Nicole both buy an NFT. And that's, you know, I take that money, I improve the property, I manage and run the property, and then they're getting half of the income from the property. And 
are they getting half of the underlying value of the equity? That's in the smart contract. Maybe I say you get half of the income and you get 25% of the equity if we ever sell the property. So mine was more about property development or property acquisition. And you're doing more of how do we manage interaction with Sal because Sal wants to come glamp on my place for, for 15 days with his, his Airstream or whatever. Yeah, yep. and then building that community and also providing. So Boondockers, one of the biggest issues is income. Um, and if you can, if you can advertise and, and provide services to the places you're going to stay and have a listing to exchange that, I mean, hip camp, I don't think you can, you can put up, uh, yeah, I want, uh, help renovating my chicken coop. Um, who knows how to do that? And, uh, then, you know, so you could, you can build yourself. So that makes sense. So these two play together really well. So you got property development on one side and then like, Property improvement, property, like actually finding the tent, the, I don't want to use the word tenants, a terrible word. Uh, the, the, the temporary, uh, resident of the property, right? Yep. On the other side, including like, yeah, I'll come and I want a place to stay for six months or six weeks or six days. But yeah, I'll clear out two other sites while I'm there as part of my fee yep. that I'm paying to be there. So maybe I was charging you, um, for a RV spot. Um, $50 a day, but maybe I'm going to charge you 25 if you complete these things. But then you got to have some sort of smart contract that like, so to me, like if I was a landowner and I was going to do that, I would basically want to say, okay, so six days is 300 bucks. So the guy deposits 300 bucks, right? Yep. But I get 150 because that's agreed upon, right? The 150 is an escrow, right? And no, so Sal comes and he says he's going to clear three campsites. And when he leaves, we have to come in there. Did you clear three campsites or did you clear one? And then that escrow is released either back to Sal or over to me based on whether he fulfilled his obligation. Yeah. If that's a, if that's a remote rural property, maybe it's as simple as taking pictures and documenting it or walking through on a, on a live video. I mean, if it's at your homestead and it's out in your back 40, I mean, walk out there and look. Yeah. And then you, yeah. you say, yes, yes, it is good or no, it's not good. And, you know, with, uh, with some binding arbitration, I mean, yeah. yes, it is. Or no. Because my concern with smart contracts when you go into this world has always been, well, how do you know? There's certain things you can do technically. This thing either happened or didn't. It's a binary one and zero. And literally a computer can check it and say, Sal really did send Jack Spirico $50 worth of Bitcoin cash. Like that's, you can make that happen. Whether or not, you know, Jack Spirico cleared a 100 by 100 patch on Sal's property, that's subjective. But if you have this community, you could literally have, okay, so Sal's like, I did it, and he takes pictures of what he did, and he uploads it, and Jack says, no, he didn't. That's some picture of some other shit. Here's my place. And you could literally have the community basically vote on it. Like, who do we believe? Yeah. And is it perfect? No, but nothing's freaking perfect anyway. Like. And if, if, I've done it for, if I've done it for Sal and then I come and do it for Jack and Jack's saying, no, it, it's not good. And Sal's like, well, he did a killer job on my place. So I got to believe him. And here's you know, my pictures. That, yeah. Here's my pictures that I did it. Right. Like, and then the longer you had that reputation, like eBay, right. The stronger it would become that, that 
you know, generally speaking, Sal Mayweather is trustworthy. General speaking, Jack Spearco's a freaking scoundrel, and you shouldn't believe a word he says, right? He, yeah, he should yeah. be evicted from this shit I altogether. Mean, you can trust Sal because he's drinking a nice uh, Pinot. This yeah. is the best show. We should do shows like this more often, guys. Well, if you showed up, maybe we would. I don't know. Yeah. Fair enough. Sal, what were you going to say? You've tried to pipe in like three times. So my buddy actually has um, – uh, a building in Puebla, Mexico that's tokenized. It's $1 a token. It's a minimum of $20,000 investment. Um, and you can buy and sell tokens on the secondary market, no problem. But he did it in Mexico and he did, he does this on Tezos because, um, it's a more like public blockchain and whatever. That's a different story, but, um, he did it in Mexico on Tezos because of the regulations in the U.S., because of the SEC and how onerous they are, because these people are really parasites. They will um, make your life hell if you give them the opportunity. So tokenizing real estate is always – it's sort of like the holy grail of tokenization, but it's, um, it's not exactly uh, impossible either. Okay. So, I mean, I'm just saying, like, I, I see what Jack suggested as, compo- as compared to what you had originally planned out. Cool. Yeah, so we've got some hullabubub in the in the comments about somebody asked, I have I have a hip a really great hip camp spot near wine in California, but the farmers near me shoot guns. How will that work on on hip camp? And and somebody else said, well, just mention that people shoot guns nearby because we, we're going to work with our farmer friends to not shoot onto our property and shoot the people in the tents. Right. That's bad. And I think it's for Amish people. Amish people never shoot into other people's property anyway. They yeah, just, it, yeah. It, well, it, and then, well, that was somebody else, Jack. So then Scrambling said, Hip Camp will shut you down because they're purple breeders. And there is totally an element of that on Hip Camp because I have a Hip Camp. Um, but my my experience in visitors here in Tennessee is the way different than the Seattle experience. I get a lot of people who are more freedom oriented here. And I don't come out guns blazing when they arrive, but you know, I don't think anybody would care. So I think it has to be, it's somewhat regional and it depends on what people say and, and know that anytime you use a centralized platform like hip camp or Airbnb or any of those, they can shut you down for any reason. That's what their terms say. Right. If they don't like what you do, you're done. Yeah. Yep. Which is part of the issue, right? Yeah. But, like what Brian's proposing is very similar to um, like the thing that kicked us all off of my head was liquid vineyards. So I don't know if you've heard about that, Sal, but so it's being built on the Algorand platform. And the way it works is they're building a marketplace. Liquid vineyards is actually a marketplace. And if Sal has Sal's uh, Pinot Noir vineyards, right. And he, he's putting a bunch of vines in, I can go in there and I can buy rights to the vines. But I can find that Sal's offering that in the Liquid Vineyards marketplace. And so I say, I want, I want the rights to five of Sal's Pinot Noir vines. And then Sal has one of his workers go out and they put a little RFID tag on that vine. And whenever those grapes are harvested, they scan a wand and boom. And then the, the wine produced from those vines is mine. I've pre-purchased it, right? It's not, and that's one thing we have to be clear with NFTs. We're not investing, but we are. It's a loophole, but what I call it is a large, solid, legitimate loophole. Because Sal could sell me, in advance, 50 bottles of wine every year for the next five years. 
There's nothing that says Sal's Vineyards couldn't do that. I'm just down to I know my grapes came off this vine. And that's very bougie, right? Like when my wine friends come over and I could either pour this really great Pinot Noir from Santa Monica or some shit like that, or I can pour this Riesling from the Finger Lakes region of New York where I own the vines. What do you think I'm going to pour? I'm going to, hey, I own, this is from my freaking vines that Sal takes care of or whatever, right? And uh, what Brian's proposing is kind of like that. Like, it's the marketplace so that I, the landowner, can sell what I have in advance and then tokenize that, if that makes sense. That's that's kind of how I see this. One, yeah. one thing I was looking at was, you know, you, you, you sell the membership to the landowner, um, you sell access to the campers, to the camper advertising. Uh, another thing we were we were thinking is uh, as a as a bug out plan, um, you buy in as a landowner and you have reciprocity to other landowners in case of an emergency or, or a disaster or whatnot. But you got 30 days you can go and have a spot to land while you figure your shit out. And and that's that's part of part of your your membership as just that network and that community and that security. I like that. That the kind of concept of like once you're in the network, you go to any property with any available space for a period of time. Yep, if needed. Right. Well, and think about it. We just had more destruction than we've ever seen before in my state. Yeah. With tornadoes, like well, maybe the the big Tennessee floods, but uh, literally four towns so flat that nothing's left. Gas stations are gone. Schools are gone. Homes are gone. People lived. The amazing thing is. A lot of people lived and um, those people are sleeping on sofas and floors and wherever they can be because there's no shelter and there's nothing to rebuild with. And if you had a network like this, you could go two states away for a while and stay on the land. And, and, you know, if it's, if it's a glamping situation that if you build something there for the person, it's that, while things reset where the problem is and then come back to your spot. To think about or, that. Or network like that, you've already got somewhere to land. Right. Wow. Or transition to that, like, you know, transition. Because maybe you're just like, screw this. I'm tired of Tornado Alley. I'm moving. And so you want to go there. Um, that's, that sounds amazing. And then they're asking this uh, KJ for arms. For our MZ, Nicole, they're saying so. Nicole or Nithi could do that with their enterprises, and and that also is a, a to the same point. Like, let's just say that the food church um, works. Um, works with lots, and we have some land that we have RFT together, right? Mm-hmm. Then boom, they can well, come it, here. They might be part of the food church and come here. And we're planting more churches as of next year. Yep. You know, and the, I mean, the other thing too is it, all your homesteaders and land. I mean, landowners. If you're producing something and that's listed, so maybe I'm coming to your area and I'm not staying on your property, but I see that you offer beef sticks, and man, I could really go for a beef stick. So. 
I can contact you through that through that database through that web interface where a SIP camp just doesn't doesn't do that type of thing. It's, it's it, this would be like a total community resource, uh, kind of connecting people that are nomadic that really don't have a community other than online with a community of people that are 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 located across the country. But what I'm hearing here also is almost an insurance product, right? Yeah. So. Let's say like all, all five of us all own a piece of land and we're all members of, of, of this thing. And we all have a certain number of camping spaces available. And then we all have reciprocity with each other that since I'm a member, since I've put up a legitimate stake in that my property is in here and maybe it's even, uh, I exclusively, uh, rent my spaces through this network. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's part of the agreement, right? Like, so that I can't circumvent you guys, right? Cause we're now in this together. We're, we now have an incentive to build together. So, uh, a tornado hits my house, fucks my shit up. And I like, I need a place to stay. And Sal's like, well, I have an empty space. Like, and that would even be like him offering it. It would just be in the network that that space is available. Okay. I can have that yep. space for some period of time. And so my consideration I've tendered. To Sal, Nicole, Neethi, and Brian, because it could have been any one of you I chose, is mm-hmm. that I I got skin in the game, yep. and then I am a now now I'm 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 Bill and I'm a Bill the Boondocker, and I travel to different places, and I say but I want that availability, I don't just want to rent from Sal or Jack or Nicole or Neethi or Brian, I want if shit hits the fan for me, I want a place that I can go, and maybe you need to build some safeguard so that Bill can't just every year just randomly need 30 days, right? Right, like, yeah. There's something that happened, right, that, that that's verifiable. Like, you actually got sick, so then you use your health insurance. Or there's a daily fee when you're there. Or there's a daily fee when you're there or something, right? Like, you're guaranteed a spot. But Bill's consideration is when he buys his, his NFT, he's buying the insurance that if something goes wrong, he has 30 days at any location with an open spot. But then when he buys that NFT, it distributes to all the member property owners. And maybe there's some formula that says, well, Nicole gets less than Jack because Jack has 50 spaces and Nicole has five. Yeah. But that can all, that, that can all be programmed. That's, that's not even complicated. That's like, that's like 12th grade algebra. That's not even hard to, to, to figure that out. That's anybody that can run a spreadsheet can figure out that formula. Jim, Jim said what I was about to say. I was going to say it's just like a timeshare. Yeah, no. You know, it's it's probably a lot you're going to want to go use every year. You could you even know, have it's probably a, a lot easier to transfer. Like, because if you have a timeshare and you're like, I want to sell my timeshare, even if I want to sell my timeshare and sell us to buy it, it's a pain in the freaking ass. Yeah. I mean, it really is. But if I can just go, okay, I will take $500 for my share, it sounds like, Here's a, you know, five hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin cash, and I'm like, here's your NFT. It's done. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. done. And I, I can say as a landowner who does hip camp, I love that I get to set the price per day for my hip camp, and and because I know what the pain in the ass factor is for having somebody come here and use my composting outhouses and all that stuff, right? Yeah. And I set a price that is higher than the local market. And when I get a hip camper, I'm happy because I made some money and I'm yeah. not mad because I didn't make enough money. And that's, that's the thing that 
I think it's important from a landowner standpoint that the, that, you know, like what I would charge here is going to be different than what Jack would charge at his place. Probably. You know, an insurance product probably have charge more. So deductibles on insurance. So maybe if you had yeah. this, in, this, this extra thing you could buy, if you wanted it, maybe there's something that like you're responsible up to a certain amount, but like the key would be that like my whole world just got turned upside down. Like I own, I own a fifth wheel and I travel around the country three or four times a year. I like this idea. So I have a basic membership or I just, I just use the app to find that I can camp at Sal's or Nicole's or Neathy's or Brian's. But like all of a sudden my house is wiped out, but I still have my fifth wheel. The fact that I know I could go to any of y'all's locations, maybe I get a discounted rate. You know, maybe there's a deductible, something like that. But this is, and then I, all my head starts doing is, well, what, 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 what else could we do this with? Like, we could literally run health shares this way. We could, like, mm-hmm. you could do anything with this. Mm-hmm. Well, another, I was, I mean, just the, the ideas keep popping up, though, is, so I got, I know someone that, Recently, they they run a homestead. They they had surgery, and they can't really do a whole hell of a lot. What if you had an, uh, a, the the network to be able to send out a send out a message to some campers that would come and and be your farm sitter or do your chores for you? Yeah, yeah. Or God knows what else. Like, I mean, I'm amazed. We're when about I want- to get ten acres that need wire run for pig rotation. And if yeah. I had somebody out here who wanted to stay here. And we could use their work to help with that. That would actually be awesome. The, the trick with um, the current markets that are available for that is that very often you get somebody who's never been on a farm before, doesn't know what hard work looks like. And yeah. it's, it's more of a problem than a solution. Yeah. I mean, we don't need to be training everybody. Every I mean, I don't ever. mind training people. No. But, right. no that, kind of exchange, though, that kind of exchange, I don't want to train you. I don't want to train you at all. Right. I want to be like, there's the wire, there's the stakes, get the fuck to it. <laughs> and if you can't do that, then it's fifty dollars a day instead of the twenty dollars a day that you get as a discounted rate. Like, and that that's where the vouch that's where the vouch skill sets come in. Yeah. You know, you can I can say, hey Jack, I want to come and run that fence, and you're like, well, I've I don't see anywhere in this that you've ever touched a fence, or maybe I got a YouTube video, or I worked with somebody or went to a workshop where. I installed an acre's worth of fence and it looked great and you're comfortable with that. So you hire me to do that. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you're going to need a big chain. Have you yeah. thought about what, what chain you're going to use? You're going to need to, you're going to get to pack a lot of information. Oh, Sal comes in with the practicality. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, true. uh, that's, that's, uh, that's kind of the next step. Um, I'll go around. You know, it's the other yeah, question too is like, you don't want to like, you don't want to have like, I don't know if the fees are in Algorand, but like, you don't want to have like a, a $30 campsite that I have to pay $80 and, and eat no, gas no. fees to, to get no. on, you know? No, I would like, like Algorand, Cosmos, and, um, what's the other, uh, ADA? What the fuck is that? I can't Cardano. 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 Like in, in those, in that realm, those ETH killer apps, like those ETH killer cryptos. Um, I, I've been really impressed with Algo because they'll, Basically, you could submit. They have a shitload of money because they were smart about how they did their shit. And if you get a good enough proposal together, you could they'll give you a grant to develop. Yeah, their website's actually open in one of my browser tabs. Yeah, they're they're pretty badass. Sounds like think, uh, the treasury system, like Dash almost. Yeah, yeah, it's it's but it's better. It's way better. It's the one of the few proof of stakes that I actually see value in because I'm. 
pretty much a mining guy. Hey, but Sal, we need to come up to my house and set up this 3D printer. <laughs> I can't believe you haven't set that thing up yet. Oh, my God. Mine's still in the box, too, just so you what know. What is wrong with you guys? These are like, <laughs> you, you could have had this I'm, thing I'm set up. I, I, I'm thinking I'm going to have somebody set it up during our watch party for Anarchapulco is, is, is what I'm thinking I'm going to do. Anarcho. I think mine's being set up over there. Christmas this year. I have to go I'm find mine before we get set out. up. What do you care? You got your money. He wants us using <laughs> print, print I guess. things. I want yeah. you printing like FGC nines, Jack, and telling your audience yeah. about how to do it. Yeah. Anything with you, Nicole. I mean, you could come visit for Christmas and help me set have this you, thing up. Have you guys seen the Burmese rebels? Not to get off topic, but the Burmese rebels in Myanmar are using 3D printed guns to fight back against their dictator. What? No, but I love yeah. that. I know, I know. We just started shipping to Myanmar in March. Now we also, we opened up shipping to Australia and we're looking at other conflict zones like that. So if you live in one of those shithole countries where you need a gun, you can, um, of course we don't recommend you 3D print guns, but we can, we'll sell you a 3D printer. When you can 3D print primers, we've really got something. That's, (laughs) primers are the thing, like primers and powder are the weak link. Okay, Michael asks, no. can this be used kind of like personally selling my own futures? Hmm. I'll put that up so you can hmm. read it. A future? Yeah, I guess in a way. I guess it could be, right? Like, I will do labor at some point in the future for you if you have this token. And Jack calls the token, and now i got to show up and go mow his lawn or something. I mean, I, I sold think- coffee futures last year, and what I did was set up a gift card plug-in on my site and give everybody a number for their futures so they didn't have to get all of their coffee at once and have it go stale. That's awesome. You could do it NFT style. My thing with NFTs is when does it make sense to NFT that? Somebody asked me if I could NFT a shipment of coffee. Yeah, I've been thinking about pre-selling coffee because we're going to probably go up another couple dollars a pound yeah. in the next year or so, and yeah. I could pre-buy a bunch and just store it here. Uh, does that need to be an NFT though, or do we just pre-buy it? No. The, what you what you would use an NFT for in that situation is this. Let's say you said, Jack, you drink a lot of coffee. And I'm like, yeah, I do. And you're like, okay, so what I want to do, I want to sell you a thousand dollars worth of coffee. Yeah. In advance, locking this price in. Now, one of the things that would incentivize me to do it if I was like. Well, what if I drink $500 worth of coffee and my cardiologist is like, listen, dickhead, you got to stop drinking coffee. And I was like, okay, sure. And, and I could say, Hey, Sal, I still have $500 worth of coffee available from Nicole. And Sal said, well, I like coffee. Like I like money, right? From the theocracy, I like coffee. And I said, well, do you want to buy my coffee? And he said, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, it's 500 bucks. He'd be like, screw up, bitch. I can buy $500 worth of coffee from Nicole myself. Well, I'll give you $400 for it. And I was like, okay, so that's like a, you know, 20% discount. Yeah, sure. I'll do that. The fact that I know that going in, in that contract that I could transfer the contract, yeah. that makes me more likely to do it. Now, the other side of it is when people do gift cards and pre-buys and stuff like that as entrepreneurs, they factor a ratio in of, this, you know, like 5%, 15%, 20%, whatever, will never, ever show up, right? That's part of why you do it. So if you're really confident in, I expect 
all of this to actually be executed, then I would be more likely to put it in NFT because I incentivize the buyer and I'm okay with the buyer executing the contract. And, and NFTs can have time limits too, right? Like it, there, any variable can be locked in. Like I mentioned liquid vineyards earlier. Like I can buy the, the vines on Neathy's vineyard for three years, 10 years, 15 years, or 30 years, or any variable in between. And the contract doesn't go beyond that. Like that marketplace said, the longest we're willing to stick our neck out with you guys is 30 years. But, so, Jack, if you locked in a price of coffee and yeah. we had pre-ordered the green beans and you're yeah. selling it to Sal a year later yeah. and beans have gone up $2 a pound. Yep. Totally valid. it's suddenly totally worth $500 because he's going to get, right. you know. But if Nicole, Nicole is the astute business person that I know her to be, she would probably say the, uh, the, the part of the contract is that uh, you have to use your $1,000 worth of coffee within 48 months, 60 months, right. something like that, right? Right. So Sal would not only be buying the remainder of the contract, but the remainder of the duration. Yes. And so what I love about NFTs is it's requiring all, all types of entrepreneurs to think about doing it to analyze their business the way they should have been analyzing their business anyway. Right. right? Like to start going to like shark tank mode with your own business to think differently because I'm not going to sign an open-ended contract that I'll deliver coffee for $18 a pound for 50 years. That's insane. I have no idea what's going to happen there. And if you start selling it in crypto and I denominate it in crypto, that's even more scary because the crypto value appreciates, right? So you got to start really locking in all the edges of the contract if you're going to do something like this. And then you have to ask the question you're asking, Nicole, does this benefit me? Am I better off by doing this than not by doing this? I, I, I don't know. Like if I NFT my memberships, my lifetime membership, I NFT that and Sal sells his lifetime membership in Neathy, it doesn't really hurt me. But if I have a physical deliverable on the other end, I got to think a lot more about that. Yep. But like in terms of agorism, it's, it's really more about like, um, how to use them disruptively rather than just like, Oh, we're going to like, you know, tokenize some sort of standard good or service or something like that. So like, I really think one of the most disruptive ways to use tokenization, and it's not really, I don't know if it's NFTs or not, but you could like sort of like to tokenize a business in order to get around like the SEC and FINRA rather than having to list shares of, you know, your business on, uh, you know, Dow Jones or the S&P or something yeah. now you can just sell shares or sell tokens on a decentralized exchange in a decentralized manner that they can't be traced or tracked or anything like that. That's how we're going to get rid of the parasites at FINRA and the SEC. So it's like we really have to focus on the disruptive aspect of it as well. I and love like, that. That's more the realm of a DAO, though, than an NFT. But if you take true. a DAO and an NFT and you bring that shit together... Right I know. And, and now, now we're like starting to really jack some shit up hard, right? Like, yeah. One of the things we're actually working on, and working with some other agorists, is we're actually working on creating a DAO. It's really early stages. We're working on creating a DAO though that's basically going to be like a sort of a slush fund for agorists. So that if you get caught doing some victimless crime and you're, you know, Jack Spear goes held up in uh, Fort Worth County Jail for, you know slinging chickens on the side or something like that without a license, we can all of a sudden, we can post bail for him. We can get him out of there. Bail insurance. Yeah. That, I think that could be a really useful tool. I know. It's like a, like a sort wow. of insurance company. This is, this is a way the, the goal is to sort of lower the risk, the lower the barriers to entry and the risk needed for counter-economic activity. 
Hmm. But it's one way we can use tokens. There's so many. But think about the conversation that we've had tonight and think about all the different things that we've come up with, right, that we've just sort of dreamt up. All of these things are, are going to come to fruition one day and more, right? Once entrepreneurs can yeah. apply the creative mindset to these to these problems and they can use this technology, it's going to blossom into something that we've never, ever, we can't even begin to imagine yet. And that's why I think it's so important for agorists to invest in coins that have strong tokenization platforms because those coins that have strong tokenization platforms are likely to achieve higher levels of adoption first or at least earlier than other coins. I think that, like on that point, like something really important for people to understand is with what Sal's talking about, the existing blockchain provides the security for the tokenization, whether it's a, a token that is its own currency or it's an NFT. So like if you're building on Bitcoin Cash or Algo or Dash or whatever, so instead of having to develop the security mechanism to make sure there's no counterfeiting or whatever, basically the fees that miners or stakers charge is what pays for the security of your own unique project. And, and that's, that's really freaking cool. So if I was building something on Algo or Cosmos, basically the stakers on Algo or Cosmos are providing the security for my blockchain, for my NFTs, or for my uh, internal currency versus trying to roll out something and make it, make it work on your own. And then, like what Sal was saying about, like, the ideas. So what I came up with right in the middle of my presentation crypto here at the workshop was, and it was like not even the presentation, it just like came out like, well, what if we had like in social media, we had a group and this group was a group about legal issues and how to screw the state over. Right. And then I had like 10 lawyers that owned the group or let's say five lawyers. Let's say all five of us were lawyers and we specialized in contract law and we said, you know, okay, you can be a group member for free, but you can pay 50 bucks and the five of us will spend X amount of minutes debating your issue and how best to handle it. And you benefit from that and all the observers benefit from that. But that's all like we have NFT ownership of the group and, and the fee is fractionalized and distributed. See, and now if you're like, talking about like, if, if Sal was a biker and didn't show the fuck up to debate <laughs> instantly, since he did not contribute to the debate, he was out and we split it four ways instead of five ways for that debate for that person and how badass it would be. So then I have I love it. the VP of crypto and the COO of float on today. And I'm like, here's an idea I have. And I'm like, yeah, we're fucking building that. I love it. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, so now we can monetize social media a totally different way. And if Sal's like, I'm tired of you four other motherfuckers, you don't do enough shit, I want out of here. And he goes out and sells his membership off to Brian Norton, then he just rotates out and somebody rotates in. And then if we all decide we want to quit, somebody can come in and buy us out. And then the group lives on. Like sort of like a way around uh, like all occupational licensing. Yeah. Right. Your, yeah. your examples was with lawyers and like, look at that basically just gets rid of the bar association, but you can yeah. apply that to any other service provider. So maybe the four of you guys are lawyers, but I'm pretty freaking conniving when it comes to status jujitsu. So maybe I'm a member of the panel too. And my, my whole thing is I'm not a lawyer, right? right? I'm a business person already dealt with all this shit, already fired a bunch of fucking lawyers and like 
I'm going to tell you, South's full of shit this time, and Nicole's right. I know because I had an instance where I had to make this decision, and I took legal advice from two different counsels, and I made that decision, and it worked out. Or it didn't. I listened to Sal, and I got my ass burned. And if I had mm-hmm. it to do over again, I would have listened to Nicole. Or who knows what. Like, And that's completely like I don't have to be a lawyer to be in this panel. I just have to have enough confidence of my fellow lawyers or fellow members, and then we have to go into the market, the agorist market, and – and actually convince Bill, who's trying to figure out what the hell to do, that we're worth paying. But we can do the same work that one lawyer would charge him a thousand dollars for, for fifty bucks. And at the same time, are we not all becoming better at what we do? Like, if I'm debating Sal and we're both patent attorneys and we're debating about a patent issue, I guess I scared him away. But yeah, he's <laughs> full of drink, I'm sure. Yeah, are we not becoming better patent attorneys by engaging in debate with each other when Brian has a real fucking issue that he's really worried about and he doesn't know how to handle it and his lawyer told him some stupid shit and we're giving him, like, between the two of us, we're coming to consensus on this is what you need to go back and tell your actual attorney that's handling your actual case. Or it could be how to handle an issue on a farm. or how Like, it could be a million things. And then... The way we monetize this and we keep it ongoing, we turn it into a perpet- – basically, we're corporatizing in the best way possible a social media group. Well, and I can say the best value I've gotten from lawyers isn't that they fall- find a solution for me. It's that I say, will this work? And they say, yes. no, you're going to jail. Okay, yes. will that work? Oh, that's a good idea. How would you come yeah. up with that? Okay, we're yeah. going to do that, right? Yeah. It's always our idea. It's always our solution. And all we're doing is saying, okay, can you say this for us? Or what's the way to say this? Or what's the way to present this or do this? Yeah. In my experience with them, it's like, okay, or we need to accomplish A, B, C, and D. How do you want us to say it? Write it up. He didn't pour a new drink. He went and got a whole new fucking bottle. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Anyway, go ahead, Nathan. He's like, I'll be right back. I will be right back. Yeah. He didn't want us to see his belly button when he stood up. Or I've had a situation where the attorney tells me, like, I got I got two plays here. And he's like, don't do that one. You go to jail. And I'm like, right. but this one. He's like, well, don't do that one. If it doesn't work out, you're going to get a fine. So the lawyer's advice is don't do either one. Yeah. Yeah. But if I don't do either one, my business, if I don't do either one, my business is going to go under. Yeah. Right. Okay. This is the worst thing that's going to happen to me here is I'm going to get a fine. Yeah, we're fucking doing yeah. that. I don't advise yeah. it. So noted. But, Correct. like. Now, if we can if we can partition that out to where you have this multidisciplinary panel saying this is what could happen, this is what can, and then that person can make a more informed decision, and they just got a consultation whether it's on health or legal or farming or God knows what or investing mm-hmm. that would have cost them a thousand dollars and had a non-answer, and instead it cost them fifty bucks or a hundred bucks, and they got. Five definitive answers with the results that are likely negative. Cause that's what I want to know most. When I, when I take advice, I don't want to know the blue sky bullshit about how well it can work out. Right. I want to know worst case scenario, what happens? I die. I go to prison. I get a fine. Uh, somebody comes to me and tells me I'm stupid. I'm going to take option four. I don't care <laughs> if you come to me I'm stupid as long as I'm not dying going to prison or uh, getting a fine. And then if stupid's not an option, Fine, die, go to prison. Fine. Yeah. Die, go to prison. Go to prison, right? Like, I want to know if I'm right. stuck with this choice, right? 
And I know that we're kind of off topic, but we're still on topic because now we can actually get the expertise compensated for that advice and rate them, right? We could build a marketplace for that, right? Imagine that those groups were spread across 20 different networks. Which one do you use? Well, you take Sal's Finder app, and I have a problem. Here's what it is, and here's reviews of it all. And I go there, and I get that answer. Yeah. I'm so, Sal, why aren't you building that? Like, you should build that tomorrow. Me? Yeah, build it. Go make it happen. I'm not a coder. I'm not a, a programmer. I don't, I, I, I'm actually, we're working with, we're actually hiring Solidity devs who are telling us that we should be using Avalanche for that little DAO project I was talking about. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I think one of the key things to consider when like anybody who's actually interested in actually using this technology is like, you have to think about what chain you're going to use to tokenize on, on stuff like this. Jack made a pretty strong case for Algorand. I don't know too much about it, but I'll tell you what. I would stay away from Ethereum as, as, and I, I, they say this as somebody who owns a whole shit ton of it because I think the rest of the world is stupid. So I think it's only going to go up in, in price, but I think it, for, in terms of utility, it's not your best option. If you're looking to tokenize like a business, which again is illegal and I don't recommend, um, Ravencoin is a wonderful chain. It's sort of designed for that. But I don't know how that can stacks up against Algorand or anything like that. I don't. Yeah. I don't know anything about Ravencoin. My my big thing with Algo is that it works. It's fast. It's cheap, and they'll give you money to do something if you make a good case. That's. I like the fact that they'll actually invest in you. Yep. They're good enough. Yeah, to and those watching the uh, chats from the Survival Podcast, half most of the time that's me talking. So Jack said, "This is Jack" when he commented. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the one here typing. Anyway, okay, so let's get back to the Lots Project, right? So Brian, you spent some time thinking through what the NFT would look like. Tell us, like, what does the NFT look like? What are the benefits of buying in? And and what questions do you have about how to make that work? Um, well, we it, it's not finalized by any means. We just it's 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 brainstorm. Rough, we got rough it. Draft. Um, so we're looking at possibly like a founder's landowner and a founder's just supporter or camper um, NFT that. Um, it'll get you all the benefits of eventually a landowner. You know, you're going to get act, you're going to get listed in whatever database we have, whatever that's an app or a, a website. Uh, <laughs> you're also, uh, uh, you get, you get access to, to the, to, uh, the, the certified people, the, the skill set people. Um, and, and, but as a founder, uh, hopefully we could roll something into there where, Using all the memberships as M NFTs, we could pay a royalty back to those initial founders um, on every one of those memberships sold in perpetuity until. And I'm not haven't really figured out how to transfer that if somebody say sells their land, if they can still own that founders type of thing and collect those royalties. Um, but then moving on. It would just once that's over, it would be a landowner and all the access that that they gain. And then as a camper, you get access to the listings of the properties and and the ability to market yourself as you as you achieve skill sets. 
I think that would be like mineral rights. You know, like sometimes when you buy a property, you get the mineral rights. Sometimes you don't. Um, I guess if there's like requirements to be a host, then those requirements have to be met for the NFT to stay valid. Yep. You know, I mean, I think it's like we have to start looking at kind of like it's going to sound weird when I first say this, but Boy Scouts. So you join the Boy Scouts as a little kid and then you get a badge and you get another badge, you get another badge, you get another badge. Now, let's imagine we tokenized with an NFT membership in the Boy Scouts. And it didn't end when you were 18 or 19 and became an Eagle Scout and went on and did your life. Let's say it went on in perpetuity. Well, all your badges would not transfer, but your membership would. Like, and if you start thinking about that way, then then it might be a very complex smart contract to code, but once you understood that, you would know what you were trying to code. Right. Are you a coder, Brian? Or are you, are you looking no. to hire somebody? <laughs> it's, it's, Everybody with the good ideas is totally not a coder. Like, I <laughs> I know. like in all my years of entrepreneurship, like everybody that could come up with the concept wasn't a coder. And every coder, you had to beat them in the head to get the concept in. And the one guy who could do both, he's already worth a billion dollars. Yep. He's already gone. He's already like, yep. I already coded that shit. I sold it. You know, like the guy, the guy did, I can't think of his name. I had him on the show. The guy that did limos.com. Yeah. Like he was like, he tried to get somebody to do limos.com. He gave up. He, he got like a bunch of Sam's books, teacher self books, locked himself in his bedroom for like six fucking months. And coded the site himself, sold the site for like millions of dollars, let the people that buy it drive it down to like half its value, bought it back, built it back up, and sold it again. <laughs> right? Because that's if you that's can do you both, do. you have superpowers. Like you have you're like um like rogue and X-Men, like you take everybody's powers away. Like there's so few people that can do that. Yep. Brian's going to be looking for coders when he does his (laughs) NFT, in other words. I think step one would be to, like, like, like work out, hammer out the details, come up with, like, a white paper, and then, um, yeah, start shopping around. You guys got to pick what chain, and then uh, I think Nicole has the white paper already written up, it looks like. It's not quite written, but he's got his first draft out. Oh, very cool. Okay, so you already have the details worked out. So then all you really oh, need at that point is I to stay working out. <laughs> you and I both didn't read it. I, I wanted to. I had time set aside to read it today, and then things changed. Yeah. I mean, so I know this, and I've been asking questions based on, I know he's Brian has put thought into the Lots Project. It's clear he's passionate about it. Uh, He starts with the goal of the lots project is to build a federation of landowners and a pool of zero or low impact campers using and improving properties and providing affordable options for people looking to boondock as federal and state lands become saturated with growing popularity of the lifestyle. That's pretty clear what he's looking to do. And then he went mind blown utilizing NFTs to give everyone a chip on the table, verified campers and landowners and a marketplace of makers and doers, we can lay the groundwork to connect across the nation. And you know what? By putting all of it on chain, it takes the work off your shoulders. You don't have yeah. to worry about this sort of centralized process of, like, verification and shit like that. It's just a lot easier on your end. Yeah. And, I mean, what we were thinking, you start you start with uh, whatever landowners you have, and then they're able to, to vouch for a certified campers so you got a local hub and you, you kind of build it like a hub and spoke model um 
you know, as, as property owners get in contact with us and we verify their properties, document them, get them on the site, then maybe we train them to see what, what a verified camper looks like. And then, the, and that person that wants to, to buy that membership comes to their property camps for X amount of time. They say, yeah, they're good. Yeah, they, they got, they know what they're doing. They got their shit together, whether a tenor or a, a self-contained like us. Uh, yeah. And then that's their entry point or it's a word of mouth or it's, you know, maybe I'm at, at a festival or whatnot and I recruiting people and talking to them and verifying who they are and whatnot. Yeah. And I know that it's a little awkward in the freedom cells right now when somebody wants somewhere to stay on the way through and we haven't met them. Then we're always looking around for, well, can you vouch for this person? Because do I want them on my sofa or or whatever? Uh, it seems like a way to help with that. I do like that the campers come with their house on their back. Yeah. I, I like that yeah. personally because I don't really love people on my couch. That's me. I don't want to be on anybody's couch. I want to be mm-hmm. on my couch. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, just bring it with me. I like how you're you're adding that layer of doers in too, because getting things done by people you can trust to actually get the things done would be a whole new world for for a homesteader, I think. Well, like right. you're, you're taking next door and you're expanding it nationally, right? So like we we have occasionally needed a handyman and lost one, and so we go on next door and we're like, hey, we need somebody to do this. Somebody will pop up and say they can do it. And then we'll get like five people saying, do not let this some bitch on your property. Let me tell you what he did here. Yeah. And then sometimes you'll get somebody say, I can do it. And, every, and you get like five people dogpile. Oh, he did work for me. He's amazing. Guess which one we're hiring. But what if I can scale that to, I need, I need to know that this guy Sal says he's going to come stay on my property for a week. He's not going to screw shit up. And he's saying that he can, uh, he can just, you know, maybe I say I'll take five bucks off. If every morning you let my ducks out and fill up my 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 portable ponds. What if you right? want to go on vacation, Jack? Yeah, or if I want to go on vacation, right? I want somebody to sit the property and, and, and my guy Michael's not available. Like that would be great to know that like none of that's hard. Like I don't actually need to know you have a skill set there. I need to know that you're reliable. Right? Yeah. So you have like skill set and you have reliability. They're different. I can have a buy totally reliable, but if I need somebody to repair a freaking x ray machine they probably can't do it. Yeah. Right. Just because they're reliable doesn't mean they have the skill set, but skill set and reliability are different. And I, I always want reliability. And then sometimes I want skill set. Right. And the community yeah. would kind of police that with, with reviews and, and verified that the jobs have been done through the smart contracts. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's ability one of the to reach I... out when something goes wrong from a on your land thing. Cause stuff goes wrong. Rather than wait till you come home to find out it went wrong and you could have done something oh, five days oh, earlier, this, you know what I mean? Like, I've, I, I had a, chickens a die immediately day one of house sitting situation three years in a row. And every time the person reached out and every time I was like, this is what you need to do to prevent that. If they, they had not done that, I would have had like 10 dead chickens. Yeah. But like, so this takes a, a whole new thing. Let's say that I, acquire uh our our mutual non-friends property behind my property nicole and yeah. uh you know who i mean and because yeah. uh, he, he finally like does the right thing and passes away and then and then i had that property and i want to develop it and i'm like well i want to cross fence those six acres 
and I go at it, and I don't look for somebody that knows how to cross fence six acres. I say I have a uh, I have a, a glamping uh, deck with all these things, and then you you can come here, and it's always been available, and it's thirty five dollars a day. But if you know how to cross fence six acres and you have the certification, I'll do it for fifteen. Now I have people competing. Now Sal's sitting there going, I've been looking for a new spot to spend the next couple months. I, I can do that, and he 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 submits it, and then Brian submits it, and I look up Brian's thing, and he's never cross fenced a damn thing in his life. He has no fencing certifications from anybody, but they say he's reliable. And and Sal's like, he's got Joel Salatin saying, hey. He came up here and cross fence 80 acres. Okay, Sal wins, right? Brian can still come, but he's paying full price. But Sal can get this opportunity, like so. Now he's jobbing hop, and maybe it's something. Maybe instead of um, giving him a discount, maybe if it's real hard work, you pay him. And it's, it's something that I would pay $200 a day for 10 days for $2,000 job. Maybe I'm just paying him. Uh, you know, minus the the value of the thing, and and I'm all, I, he's actually making money. Sort of like Angie's list. But you know what? Yeah, Sal can real. also subcontract to me to help him, and we can work on that as a community of of doers too. Yeah, and the whole yeah. thing can be tokenized. Because maybe Sal says, "Listen, asshole, I want two spots." And I'll do the job for a thousand bucks. And then he he reaches out to Brian and says, "Come do this with me. I got your spot." And then yeah, I get certification of learning. With Woofers, which is the world organic something something farmers, it I should be called people that fancy. fuck shit up. By the way, that's right. <laughs> so, if you want to have Woofers that are successful, you offer lodging and food and four hundred dollars a month. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's competition for that $400 a month and you're paying them and you're saying, this is what I expect baseline right. skills. I've, I've, I know people have done that who've done really well. You have to do my intern they, program. They were coming out the other side of that with some money. Yeah, I, I did my intern program that way. You got to stay here. You got everything taken care of. You got fed. And I still did a hundred dollar a week stipend. Yeah. 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 Otherwise here's they a, are not. Here's a question for Brian. Are there any schoolie groups or van life groups that you're working with? I am not working with anyone, but uh, you can go to the lotsproject.com and fill out the contact form, and I will get a hold of you for sure. That's cool as shit. Awesome. Here in St. Pete, there's a whole shit ton of like um, like van life kind of thing going on. There's a, it's a there's a lot of that here because it's like a lot of it's very beachy and stuff like that. It's a very tropical community, so there's people just posting up next to the water. And they just have their van, they just open up the doors, and they just, like, live there for, like, three days. And, I mean, there's, like, vans on vans on vans on vans and campers everywhere. So it could be a good way to get, like, sort of, like, adoption, you know, to sort of drive adoption initially. Usually with these projects, a lot of one thing people like to do is, like, they there's sort of some sort of incentive initially to get people involved. And these groups that... KJ for RMZ just mentioned could be could work out, right? Yep. Yeah, I mean that's why I kept thinking, can you can you overlay with Hip Camp or something like that, just so you have a marketplace, but then have that extra certification, and then nobody liked that idea. <laughs> you're, you're you're definitely going to need some big blocks though to include yeah. all the information. Like, is he going to need? Is he certified in this? Does he know how to do that? Is he messy? Is he responsible? Is he reliable? 
it's all like all those units of information are going to take up space in the block. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to wrap my head around that part at, at, at this point. Yeah, I know. Scrambling said that Patricia could write up the contracts on this in a few weeks. And then you just do the NFT. And that kind of brings us back to the NFT conversation. Uh, the the thing I came to with my uncle, because I'm looking at something related to holler neighbors and NFTs, possibly. And and he said, but why? And I explained why. And he said, what you need to do is have the contract really well worked out. And then we talk about the NFT so that you've thought through all the details before you right. lock that in to a token. Yeah, and, I've made that mistake before, and I've actually got I've actually got burnt pretty heavily by investing in tokens that I wasn't I didn't know that the the the, the code and the contract all that well. Yeah, good way to lose money. Hmm. Tell, are you willing to tell us what you did, or is it is it too painful? It was the Dow token in 2016. Everybody thought it was like it was the first Dow ever. We were like mm-hmm. pumped. We thought it was like the best thing since sliced bread. It was, but not that particular Dow and. We went like all in and next thing you know, like we woke up one Saturday and some guy in Europe exploited a line in the code and all of our wallets were drained. And then, it, and then Vitalik rolled the chain back and now you have Ethereum and Ethereum Classic and it's just, it's, it's a mess. So definitely make sure the code is right before, before you launch. That's one of those lessons where like being first is great or not, but being second is always good enough. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. A very expensive lesson to learn, but yeah. I learned. <laughs> yep. It sounds like a great um, new way to live, too. I mean, you know, for these folks that are trying to look for alternatives and different ways of, you know, like exiting, um, you don't have to build an exit. You could just, you know, have be a part of this program, especially if you are um, experienced and you ha- are like vouched and all these other things. And then you, now you just kind of go around to all these places. I mean, that's fun. Right? Yeah, our, our initial reason we were leaving was to go find someplace else to set up and use all the skills we learned here to, to build something new. And we just Love gave it. ourselves a minimum of a year. But, uh, you know, we were going to just go until we were ready to stop. Right. Well, and then, we, then you do that when you find your tribe. Right. This is especially the way things are so crazy right now. Sorry, Jack. No, it's fine. This is a key to the reason why would you tokenize this, right? So, let's say that I am a uh, traveler, and I, I I continuously travel, and I have a certain amount of goodwill. So, like the largest item on most mega brands balance sheet is not real estate or cash holdings or or what have you. It's goodwill. Right. So let's say I've been doing this my whole life. And most people I know that live this kind of transient lifestyle that really enjoy it, they do reach a point where they're done, where they finally say, I want to, I, I want to plant. I want to settle down. I want to be done. And I've done this and I've worked with Sal like over and over throughout the years. Let's say Sal is like 30 years younger than I am. He's a young guy and I want to now transfer my NFT to Sal as part of my retirement program. And maybe I can't transfer all my certifications or whatever, but I can transfer some of my goodwill. I've worked with him. I've trained him. He's apprenticed under me. Right. And now I can sell that off to Sal like, like a, like a taxi driver selling their taxi medallion in New York city. 
except instead of being an antiquated system that was replaced by Uber, it is Uber. Right. Because right? what I hear here is like the Uber of hip camp and Airbnb. That's what I hear coming from Brian. Like if you look at what is the largest taxi company in the world, it's between Lyft and Uber, right? Yeah. What is the largest hotel uh, company in the world? It's Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Right. Like they, these, 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 these platforms have completely supplanted Marriott. Right. Yes. And you think about it that way. It's insane. They like, if you said, I'm going to start this website and my website isn't going to like capitalize on Marriott and Hilton. It's going to surplant them. I'm going to overtake them with a website. And they say, well, how many hotel properties are you going to own? You go zero. <laughs> if you would have said that in 2012, somebody would say, you're freaking high. What did Brian, other Brian, sell you, right? Like, like you, are, you are high, like out of your mind. But then if you can tokenize even a portion of the goodwill, now you're taking this disruptive platform to a whole new level. Mm-hmm. Like a ridiculous level if you really think about it, right? Like imagine being able to fractionalize the goodwill of McDonald's. I know we all hate McDonald's here because our food's crap, but it's like a multi-billion dollar asset on the balance sheet because if you put the golden arches up, people will stop. Maybe they shouldn't, but they will. Now, if you can if you can fractionalize that down to where I can capitalize on some of my brand and transfer that capital at the end of my working life into my retirement. Holy shit. Almost I like mean, do y'all really rights. get that? Like what that really means? Yeah. It's, it's sort of like, it's like, it's unending. It's infinite. That's why I call the, 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 the Tocambrian explosion because there's so many different ways it's going to be used. And we just, it's just not even, we haven't That's even the concept begun of to experience it. Now. When you said that, that was like, boom, that's, that is 2021, the Tocambrian explosion. Yeah, I hit the nail on the head with that one. That was a good call. I thought it was going to be earlier, to be honest with you. I've been saying it since about 2019, so <laughs> it's about time I was right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shit. Right. What are you thinking, Brian? He's got a lot of fucking work to do. You know what? I want to give you a compliment, though. Like that intro part that Nicole read, I've read a lot of VC proposals. I don't know if you ever wrote a VC proposal, but you could. No. <laughs> right? I mean, that, that's, that's, that's the kind of shit I want to see when I look at a VC proposal. Like, like, can you clearly articulate your value proposition in a paragraph or less? And if you can't, you know what? I don't care what you wrote in your second paragraph. I'm not going to fucking read it. Right? right? Like, I got to open that up and I got to go, okay, maybe, maybe not, but the value proposition I understand. And that was, Dead on, spot on, man. That was badass. Thanks. Just kind of flows out when you start thinking about it. Yeah. If it makes sense, I guess. It's the next logical thing, right? When it makes sense, then it's the next logical thing. Otherwise, it's irrelevant. It's definitely definitely um, on the money with Jackson about, like, Airbnb and Uber and stuff like that. Because, like, if you think about what those industries are doing – they're sort of just taking existing assets and they're turning them into income generating properties. And that's exactly what you're doing. So it really is a pretty on the money analogy. And I, I think if you think about it, if, if anybody has some piece of, ex, of existing property that they can turn into an income generating property, why not? Why wouldn't they do it? So you probably won't have an issue with adoption. Yeah. Well, 
to speak to what Jack said about people landing, I mean, we looked into, uh, we looked into Jake's, Jake Robinson's land, uh, presentation he did. And what if you direct mail or those people, the people that don't want to sell, but they want to hold on to them, but now they can have a, have a vouched for person coming and, and paying their taxes, even just having a few rentals a year or doing improvements to that property to sell it for more in the future. I like it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely like, there's definitely a lot of prompts. There's a lot of work to be done though. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I think guys, we've run almost two hours here. We probably need to wrap up. I don't, yeah, it's hour 42. And it's great conversation. I don't know what, if Nicole dropped off due to technical issues or what, I didn't get anything from her in a private chat, but uh, if y'all are okay with it, unless anybody has anything else to say, I think we should go into wrap up mode and let everybody, uh, uh, talk about where they can learn more about what you're you're contributing and what you're doing. Yeah, sure. Brian, every, you want you start because everybody's asking where they can find your project. Uh you can go to thelotsproject.com. Um, right now, it's it's uh, not very fancy. It's a it's an email list and a contact form. Um, kind of trying to get everything out there uh, at the Lots Project on Float. Uh, Lots Project. You can search on Miwi. And, uh, just one other thing, um, uh, just need to mention, I'm working, putting something together with a bunch of other people is kind of similar to this format, but, uh, a bunch of homesteaders and preppers and whatnot. And we're just going to discuss, uh, everyday issues with everybody, uh, topic a week and just kind of spitball how to fix it. So, uh, that's going to be fireside freedom. Uh, you can find it at t.me.firesidefreedom. Check that out. Um, I'm Sal Mayweather, Salvi Goris. You can find me on all your different social media accounts. The book is Anti-Politics. Check it out. It's on uh, Amazon. You can, if you prefer to pay with crypto, you can DM me and pick it up. And, um, yeah. Maybe. I'm Nikki the Pharmacist down here in Raleigh, North Carolina at the Food Church. And you can find me at um, farm2forkmeatriot.org. Very cool. And uh, that is Pharmacist F. Not F. like the yes, pharmacist. Not the pharmacist. like the poisonous. Not like the poisoning people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, and, and I am Jack Spierko. Uh, Nicole uh, is communicating with me back channel and asked me to help close it down if she doesn't make it back. So I'm not sure why she had to drop off. But uh, I guess we're in sync because I was already doing that. Anyway, if you want to know yeah. more about me and what I do, you can uh, – Get over to my website, the Survival Podcast. Nicole's returned, so let's let Nicole go ahead and and give her closing statements. Well, I don't know what anybody said because apparently the internet. (laughs) Anyway, there she was. Uh, That was awesome. (laughs) That was awesome. Anyway, if you want to find me, uh, my internet works, and you can find me at the Survival Podcast. Dot com, or you can just go to the short URL is tspc.co and you can check out what we're doing there. And we will be doing a lot on crypto and NFTs in the coming, uh, well, the coming week. And then we're shutting down and we'll be back in January. Nicole, you want to try again? <laughs> I'm going to try again, man. Hey, so we have bad tornadoes and our networks are all wonky here in Tennessee. So if you're wanting to help with tornado stuff, CACteam.com is taking donations. I'm working with them to make sure those go straight to people. And we've, we've put about $8,000 worth of aid out already. So that's one thing. And two, get your coffee at Hollow Roast. 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. If you can support CAC teams, please do so. Um, Nicole is good enough to step in and, and help uh, run that as part of the board as she goes away again. Um, CAC teams is something that I, I conceived of back when Superstorm Sandy hit. And uh, I sat around and I was like, I want to go to New York and I want to do something. And I'm like, if you go there right now, they're going to tell you to go away. And I wanted to put up a way that we could actually uh, be agile and respond to disasters. And that was the birth of CAC teams. And uh, Nicole is involved with that. So, yeah, definitely – uh, contribute to that if you can. It is a nonprofit and it is very well run because I don't touch it anymore. That's why it's very well run. <laughs> What's right. an it, 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 it with an S or without an S? No. Anyway, S. Nicole, you want to you want to take over the final final words since? It, okay, it, it, so NFTs are something that is beyond a little beyond emerging, but there is a lot of power there, and anybody who tells you you've missed the boat is wrong. These kind of brainstorming discussions are how we get stuff going. And I'm pretty excited by the potential of how this can, A, make my life easier because I hate tracking shit. And if that's built in digitally and I have to deal with it, that's great. Uh, but also propel a lot of us forward in our goals. So I want to thank Brian for being on for the LOTS project. And I'm looking forward to getting more involved with what you do as you build. And I'm looking forward to seeing everybody on the next episode of Unloose the Goose. I think there is a live stream in the offing that will not have Jack or I on it, but other geese right before Christmas are going to, are going to gaggle. That's just what they're going to do. So guys go out and, and make the best of what you've got going into this next couple of weeks of the year. Honk. 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 Thank you. Unloose the Goose.